Hey, Ashley. So it's really great to uh, have you on air and have you a part of my podcast. I can't thank you enough for being a part of it. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Right on. Um, I always start off my podcast with doing um, an introduction. And uh, after I'm done my introduction, I'll introduce you and then you can do your introduction and then we'll go from there. How does that sound? Sure. No problem. Awesome. Well, everybody, it is August 12th and welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border is the Blackfeet. North of the border, the Siksika, Gunai, and Bigani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, now Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations, the Sutina Nation, we acknowledge all Indigenous, Métis, Inuit, and other nations across Turtle Island as the keepers of this lands. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that it can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I sh can share what I think I know as I walk down the red road. My name is Michelle Robinson. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman. I was born Michelle Elliott, another very English-sounding name, which has afforded me incredible privilege in a colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknife Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of the Mayflower and the daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I was born in Calgary. And why all of this matters is that even though I'm native, and even though I was born here, my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Indigenous nation still roots me in the land of the Hare people, the Great Bear Lake people, in Treaty 11. I'm native to Turtle Island, and my nation is a visitor to the area of Clincho-Tinde-Indehe, or Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede in Dene. Satu... Um, my cousins are the Sutina. If you are following me, you can donate if you wish to my Patreon account, Native Calgarian. And I want to thank Kenna, Sharon, Diana, Judy, and Nathan for signing up. And if you have any questions, you can contact me at nativeyyc at gmail.com with any comments. So with that, I want to introduce um, um one of my guests and today I have Ashley all the way from Ontario. Ashley would you like to introduce yourself? Sure but first uh, I just want to say uh, I love your podcast and I love your introduction. Uh, I uh, checked it out uh, I think last week when uh, when we sort of like started making arrangements for this episode but um, yeah Ani um, my name is Ashley Crochet. In my language, it's uh, Mejigopenes or Clear Sky Bird. Uh, I come from Seguin First Nations in Manitoba, Treaty One Territory. Uh, my mother comes from Rolling River, or I can never pronounce it. Kisi. She she calls it Kisi, so we'll just go with that. But uh, I've been living in. Uh, Algonquin territory for about seven years now. Before that, I was actually in Blackfoot territory uh, in Calgary um, for about 20 years. Uh, so that was, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just uh, here uh, taking uh, uh, in my master's program for legal studies. I just finished up my uh, bachelor's of arts in political science. And I also run a 
podcast as well called the Stoning Chronicles, which is uh, a decolonial podcast that uh, explores current news and events affecting Native people across Turtle Island. Oh, that so. sounds right up my alley. I can't wait to listen <laughs> to it, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, that actually, uh, Skoden really kind of took off here recently, didn't it? Uh, yeah, with the uh, Sudbury water tower thing. Yeah. Do you yeah. think, uh, did uh, anybody ever talk to you about that, that they were going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, no, not that. But I had uh, CBC Sudbury contact me and ask questions about it. So that was interesting. I just pretty much told them. We got cut off. Sorry. About the Skoden? Uh, they were just kind of wondering what does it mean and like what its significance is in, you know, Indian country. Uh, I just pretty much told them it just, it just means let's go then, right? It's, it's kind of like a native colloquialism, native slang. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of told them it was probably the little people that did that graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> so did they did they make an article or was this on uh, on uh, TV? Yeah, it was on the radio actually. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. have to dig that up and uh, and reshow the, reshare that one because I think that'd be funny. Um, yeah, there was a lot of conversation about it, and we've always been joking about it ever since. And I actually mm-hmm. had not heard about it until that water tower thing. And then, uh, you know, the cops and the, you know, Canadian people were so afraid of it. And then that made it yeah. even funnier. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so. entertaining. Yeah. Right on. Um, well, I don't know uh, if you want to share what you were telling me earlier, but um, I know that you were saying that you have a master's in political science, and um, I'm really quite active with the uh, federal Liberal Party because they have mm-hmm. an Indigenous Peoples Commission. And um, at the provincial level, I mean, I'm here in Alberta, and Alberta is a different duck, I know, than the rest of the country. And the uh, NDP have been just such a breath of fresh air so I've been uh, really excited to door knock for them. Um, but yeah, what are some of your political uh, belief systems? I, I mean, for me, I guess, uh, you know, the colonial system will never represent Indigenous people at all. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if the difference is between somebody who, you know, hates Native people, hates gays, then I'm definitely going to door knock for somebody who doesn't. So what are, right. your, what are your um, kind of thoughts on the colonial system and that with, uh, you know, your background now in education? Right. Uh, that's interesting. Actually, uh, it was my Bachelor of uh, Arts that I got my political science, and I'm just entering into uh, legal studies in my master's. But um, I think it's really interesting because this is something I've been pondering, too, and I've been considering talking about in my next episode, uh, just like whether or not Native people should be engaging in these colonial systems or not, because I have friends who say, yes, absolutely. And then I have friends who say, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, and I and I see both sides of the arguments, right? Because like on the no side, there's this whole idea of like how can we find our liberation uh, using the master's tools, right? How do we like? There's no way that we can undo, take down the master's house with his own tools. But then on the other side, like as much as Canada is an illegal occupation on Indigenous lands, it's very real. 
and it and their decisions actually affect Native people. So why shouldn't we have a say in this? Yeah. And I. I think the best example of that is there was a CBC article that was talking about this young lady who had a business going where she manufactured uh, jingle dress cones and she needed to be able to do that. But with the tariffs in the United States going up against Canada, you know, that affected her business, that affected her livelihood, right? Yep. So like to not engage in these colonial governance structures is detrimental to her. Um, so I, I don't have an answer, <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very complicated. Yeah. I definitely share exactly your thoughts on all of this. I would love to, uh, you know, say, you know, participating in the colonial system is never going to so- solve our problems or help us. But, uh, at the same time, you know, I, I know, uh, I, I was raised off reserve away from my culture, away from my mother. And, um, I mean, even if I was raised with my mother, I'm sure she would feel the same where she would probably encourage me to rather than sit on the sidelines, try to get involved in some way. And, uh, I like for me personally, as an indigenous woman, I just felt like I don't really have a voice or a say in any of the politics anyway, until, uh, I seen kind of an in, through the Indigenous Peoples Commission. So that's why uh, I, I took it, you know, and and it feels good to be influential in some way. Like, for example, mm-hmm. I know a lot of the uh, Two-Spirit wasn't a part of the acronym of LGBTQ, and I um, got the Liberal Party to pass a policy on that. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that now that I see it on their literature, when we hand it out at pride parades and when I see official statements coming from politicians, you know, a lot of people took that lead and, and do it now. And I have part of that inclusion. And, you know, it's it it's kind of small in the bigger picture, of course, but at the same time, it's huge on the bigger picture as well, because I think in today's day where we're talking about reconciliation and trying to build bridges. I mean, it, it's a bigger step than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I'm very politically active as well. I, you know, especially at the uh, school level. So like I'm very much involved in school politics uh, in the past four years. Uh, you know, I, uh, I mean, I served as a, as a executive on our student union at the undergraduate level. And now I'm the VP finance at the graduate level. Uh, and my mandate um, has always just been like, how do we make things better for uh, native students coming to uh, post-secondary education? Oh, so that's great. It's, it's, um, you know, I think, I think, there's there's a lot of nuance to it, but um, you know I think it's important to be active regardless. Oh, for sure. Um, you know I I, do, I know we don't really know each other, so it's really great kind of chatting here and just getting to know each other on air. Um, I'm 41, mm-hmm. and at that time when I had graduated high school in '94, we didn't even have like uh, you know those. Um, outreach centers and all the universities they just weren't Mm -hmm. safe places for indigenous people at all and now I have a little girl and she's uh she's 11 going on 31 and uh when she goes into post-secondary I mean I think it's such a safer space than it ever was before you know where you can identify as indigenous um have 
cultural roots and and other people that are there and and have your small community that are in that post-secondary education system and a huge difference I think from the previous generation so like I know the work that you're doing and people just like you at all of the um you know we have one at SATE now and we have one at uh UFC like that work really matters and uh um, Mount Royal has done such a great job of, uh, you know, Indigenous inclusion. So I'm kind of hoping my girl will lean to one of the institutions here in Calgary, but you never know, you know, mm-hmm. what, what will end up happening. So um, unfortunately for her, she's been uh, really tainted and influenced by some of the political stories I've told her. And uh, mm-hmm. so for she actually is, uh, if she were to identify as a Green Party person, she really loves Elizabeth May. So whenever she comes, I have to go and take her. But uh, I go to like the liberal convention and such, and I'll tell her stories that, yeah, I guess Justin Trudeau used to go barefoot down uh, McGill University. And she's like, oh, I want to go to McGill then. And I'm like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's so we'll, funny. We'll see where she ends up. But what I think what really matters is that... Um, she can go to post-secondary education and have, uh, you know, places to go. I, I, Carleton is one of those places I had seen uh, Seb Millet at, and uh, I think mm-hmm. I'd like my daughter to meet him and maybe have some influence with, uh, you know, her education there. I think that would really mean a lot and maybe somewhere out on the East Coast. But at the same time, I don't want to be that far away from her. So that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mother... Uh, suffers from the same thing because she's out in Winnipeg and I'm here in Ottawa. And uh, there's always like these talks. Well, you know, maybe there's a time where you could like, you know, come home. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, I hope so. Um, in my master's, I hope that there's an opportunity to do so. Because mm-hmm. what I want to focus my thesis on is uh, looking at the the legal structures that are embedded in Anishinaabe stories to contest Canadian sovereignty over Treaty One territory. Uh, so, so it's like if I'm going to be doing research about that area, I should be at that area. So, yeah. you know, maybe there's an opportunity to go back and forth. Oh, that'd be amazing! I'd really but, wish you all the success in that in doing that because I think. Uh, you know, it's also us getting back to our roots and back to our culture. And, you know, we may have have to transfer, translate a little into English, but, you know, what a, what a huge step considering all of the damage that the Indian residential school did to our, our culture, our language, our way of being and, and our, just our Mm -hmm. understanding in general. So to have those types of uh, works written, I think is such a huge step to getting back our culture and getting back our language and getting back our our way of being and and you know we talked about being political in the illegal uh, occupation of Canada well how else do we do it other than show them in their own ways and that that hey this is a thing <laughs> yeah um it's hard though it's hard because a lot of people uh, either don't want to listen or they're scared you know yeah, well, you know, it's kind of, I want to start talking about putting more cultural safety into action for that reason, because I think, uh, you know, we we want to address these issues, and yet as soon as we do, there seems to be this real, like, uh, fragility. And I, I don't mm-hmm. even like using the term white. I like using the term colonial, because, mm-hmm. like, here out in Calgary, we have lots of people from all around the world, and, uh, 
you know, are happy to continue the, the system, the colonial system and the structure that it is and, uh, and love it to death because they were able to escape from wherever they came from to come here. And, yeah. you know, like I know our ancestors would welcome them and we'd never say, hey, leave. But can we mm-hmm. be a little more equal in the way that we approach everything instead of it just being one way? So, yeah, my um, my ex-girlfriend and I had good conversations about that, too, um, you know, because her parents came from uh, Central America. And at, at the time, she was very happy to. Canadian because of the fact that you know they brought her parents in and gave her an opportunity to have a better life and um, you know and so it does seem at odds sometimes but but like you said like you know if we were the ones still you know controlling our own territories and having the authority and jurisdiction to make those decisions we would never say go, go away, away. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, it matters a lot to me. My my stepmother is uh, from Austria, so I have a half brother that's uh, both Austrian and Canadian, and then I have um, an auntie who was born in China and married my Dene uncle. So it, you know, for me personally, it's just like the idea of you know turning away immigrants is the most ridiculous thing I could possibly imagine. It would break up my own family. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's becoming quite the story for a lot of Indigenous people, especially urban ones that are, you know, living in the cities and falling in love with everybody. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. and uh, you know, plus, like, yeah, I don't, I don't like the term white that often. I think I use it to like simplify things, but yeah, uh, because it is a, a structural system that is oppressing Native people, right? And any person, regardless of their race or color, can dismantle it or propagate it, right? Like totally. even even Natives sort of um, continue on colonial legacies. So, yeah. I, I my yeah. mom actually, I kind of brought her up because uh, you know she her mother went through the residential school system and then her her brother and her sister and uh they're strong strong catholics and you know really just try to do the survival and you know work within the system kind of mentality and you know and i don't blame them because that's the way they were raised to to believe and the way it was i mean i would argue that we're literally the first generation to be able to have our own voice and be able to talk about things a little more openly without being silenced and like this yeah. these podcasts that's the greatest thing about them is that we don't need to be interrupted anymore hey <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely um, a form of liberation <laughs> yeah it definitely is and i mean speaking to that point then our voices are powerful too I'm like they're thinking about like say from like 1969 when the white paper first came out mm. you know now there's been two like two points in time that I can identify where you know our voices changed the course in, uh, of uh, national politics right mm. 1969 when we opposed the white paper and 2012 and I, and I don't know more so like the fact that you know we're getting our voice back you know it and and changing discourses shows like the power of our voices i think oh my gosh yeah yeah no i i'm really uh my husband he got started on a podcast and 
you know, he's, he set it all up and he, he's been encouraging me to do this. And I, I found it actually really healing too, because then you can just connect with people on our level and you don't have to do any of that explanation to anybody. Um, but mm-hmm. you did touch a little bit on internalized racism. Um, do you at all uh, address that in your university? How does, because I, you know, I hear a lot of people when they say that they start going down the red road, it was actually at university that they really learned a little more of their truth and a little more of their history. And that is what enabled them to be stronger as, um, you know, stronger in their, in themselves and have that confidence. So how do you deal with uh, internalized racism over there? Uh, that's, that's a tough question. Uh, yeah. I, no, you no, know, I, like just an easy one here. Here's a softball. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, again, I, I don't know because um like what is internalized racism yeah you know or what is internalized colonialism yeah. uh people are really quick to throw terms these days you know like racist uh and things like that and it might not necessarily be the case it's just plain out ignorance right because people yeah. don't know like they have to go to these universities read the books and go to class and have these discussions about you know like the true history between uh, Canada and Indigenous nations, and if they don't know, like, does that automatically mean that they are internalized? Yeah. They've internalized this like colonial form of thinking, you know? And 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 people make mistakes too, right? Like I do. Uh, you know, someone might call me. You know, someone has called me like an internalized. You know, that has somebody that has internalized colonialism. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's. I think, yeah, it's a tough one. I think it's, yeah, I think it's encouraging self-reflection. I think that's how you sort of like, uh, uh, mitigate, you know, this, this, this problem. Mm. And, 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 uh, if you're doing it, then like you're able to see where you make your mistakes and you can make your corrections. And then if other people see that too, then, you know, hopefully it might, uh, influence or inspire people to do the same thing. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I I really have a lot of hope for the next generation because they just, you know, they don't have a lot of the, uh, you know, pulling of fitting into the old colonial system that I felt like uh, I definitely grew up with. Uh, we I just came home from Sylvan Lake. Um, I was, uh, was basically raised there. I graduated high school there, you know, and uh, my parents still live there. So I was going through old photos and showing my girl and it's just just such a different reality and there was no indigenous inclusion at all no cultural you know component to my upbringing at all and whereas my daughter I mean she she was born into it literally I had uh, a birthing tape with um, you know native music playing at the time that she was born and you know always been involved in some kind of community um, cultural event and her school's been really encouraging and great at letting her take time off for cultural events. So, you know, I, I just have a lot of hope for the future that, you know, a lot of changes is happening. I mean, there's some kind of down things. What are, what did you guys hear out of, out in your area for uh, the John A. McDonald statue coming down? <laughs> um, yeah. Mo- most things I hear is on uh, Twitter, really. Uh, Cause you know, I've I've been able to filter out uh, my Facebook friends pretty well, and 
I don't think that's a big, uh, big threat as people let on, but yeah. um, there is, uh, there is, uh, there are people who are upset about it. Uh, and it's just, it's the same thing, right? You're erasing history and stuff yeah. like that. And <clears throat> which is not necessarily true. I think, uh, I think his name is Matthew Sears just put out an article saying that like, you know, it's not, it's not statues you get your history from. It's the books in the museums that yeah. you do in school. And, and that's, um, true to a point because even there's even, unbalanced power relations and who decides to write what right yeah but um and i think it was you that was saying it. i was listening to your podcast that saying that the plan is to tear it down and then put it back up with like a um some kind of with reference yeah yeah with reference to residential schools but also saying yeah he still is the first premier of canada so or, <laughs> Prime Minister, so like history's not getting erased. It's just yeah, allowing more for honest. <laughs> yeah, allowing for you know alternative perspectives, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I hear. Uh, you know, out here in Calgary, uh, we just changed the name of uh, Langevin Bridge to Reconciliation Bridge, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a school named Langevin. And I mean, we've been working on trying to get that changed for a while, but uh, the mm-hmm. CBE, so the Calgary Board of Education, you know, they have policies about this. And Jason Kenny just came out talking about uh, John A. McDonald's school and how that will never change. And it's just, it's such an interesting conversation being out here in Alberta, because I just feel like it's so amplified that we nothing can ever change. But they never did like any consultation when it came to the highway number two. They just changed it arbitrarily to the Queen Elizabeth. So we call it the QE2 now. And, uh, mm. you know, there's no consultation for that at all. And, you know, the, and then everyone gets upset that we're, we might actually consider rechanging a name or, or, um, being more honest about the roots of a name and uh everybody loses it and i don't under like you can't be honest about reconciliation if you're not going to tell the whole truth right so and it's been so one-sided and i just don't understand why there was be so much fight to be learning more information rather than less information right Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a good point i mean you know if we think about the term reconciliation how come it Nobody ever talks about the truth aspect. Yeah. You know, like it's truth and reconciliation, but everybody just wants to focus on reconciliation without the truth. Really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, which can't be done. No, so. I hear you. Yeah, actually, that was uh, um, a big change, I think, in the conversation. I, I know a lot of Indigenous people had been telling their stories for years about. Indian residential schools but you know thankfully the TRC came out and people were able to have a a venue that they could be honest about it and then all it was all of a sudden oh so this is a thing and then when the election happened and change happened at the end of 2015 so it just feels like so much has changed since like 2016 and here we are in Mm -hmm. 2018 and there's pushback like a ton of pushback but you know at least for the first time our like our parents and our aunties and our uncles and grandparents can be honest about what happened like in more mainstream circles so 
that's been so liberating. I love social media. And I love like, you know, the freedom of being able to talk about these things. And that uh, Matthew Sears guy, what a cool guy. I've been following mm-hmm. and retweeting a lot of his tweets too, because I think he, he can really say it in a good way. And I think um, white, white people listen to white people, right? Colonial yeah, people listen yeah. to a white guy. So uh, it works out really good for, for that as well. Sometimes you need those allies to really bridge some gaps because, uh, you know, it takes time to shift people's mindset. Yep, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Right on. So what are some of the things that you're working on out there? Like, obviously, you sound pretty busy with school. Um, so that's kind of probably 100% of your time, hey? Uh, you would think, but uh, I figured out that school is just a system that, you know, once you figure out how to use it, can use it well and then do other things. Right on. So, um, yeah, no, I, what am I working on? I have, uh, oh, okay. Well, I haven't done Skoden Chronicles in a while. Uh, I think I kind of went on a little break <laughs> after the cases involving Colton Bushy and Tino Fontaine. Because uh, uh, it, it was just, it was tough. And like, I think uh, it was Jesse Winky who was, who was, asking the same questions what's the point right like we're here trying to educate people and then this happens and it's just kind of like you just sort of lose hope and i i was like that i don't get paid to do it so i was just like i'm not going to do it for a while but uh i've been i've been sort of inspired to start up again so i'll be doing that soon right on. uh obviously school I'm, I'm getting involved in a local city councillor uh campaign here because we have municipal elections coming up and uh you can name drop here i don't mind no uh sean why do i always want to say mendez that's a singer sean menard Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's I have this uh, NDP guy in my area. He does the uh, cultural portfolio. Anyway, his name is uh, Ricardo Miranda, and I always want to say Cristiano Moraldo. And and I'm like, you know, like. (laughs) 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 But you know, just to touch a little on that, uh, if you don't mind, when uh, we, when that whole Colton Bushi and Tina Fontaine. Um, verdicts came out man like even me I've I've really got depressed like it it, it's hard and I think Canadians really need to understand that when you just see lack of justice over and over and over those are strong strong messages Um, Mm -hmm. you know for me very triggering to a lot of the past Um, I work with a lot of uh, missing and murdered indigenous families um, you know and it's that same injustice pattern over and over again and I like when we talk about internalized racism, like holy, how how aren't you supposed to internalize that and be like, man, when will Canada see that uh, you know justice has to be for everybody, not just for one side all the time? Um, yeah, yeah. I so I I just wanted to validate that because I know for me I, it really hit me hard, and there were, I think I think there was a real shift in the Indigenous community from those rulings of. Uh, you know, extreme sadness. And I have a friend of mine and he said that um, there's some kind of link that we have genetically so that when one gets sad, we all really feel it. Like when there's a loss, we all feel it. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I haven't looked into that. It's something that I've thought about, but man, it even hurt when I seen this uh, orca, this mother orca. 
uh, who had uh-huh. lost her baby and had carried her baby. And I was just like, man, this is a protest. This isn't just a, I'm mourning my baby. This is a look at what you're doing humans to my, to my life, you know? And, uh-huh. uh, and I don't know what that is, but it's, it's deep. And, you know, I, I just wanted you to know we all, like I felt it. And a lot of people in my community felt it. There was a shift. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at the uh, community at Carleton, there definitely was. And we tried to organize something. Um, but I think at the time, too many people were hurting, right? So nothing really ever came out of it. But, like, the amount of people that did show up, like, it showed, like, how much it affected people, you know? And, and that day, I remember just, like, sitting on my couch just thinking, like, I'm an older student. I'm in my mid-30s, uh, you know, but, like, I... I see these these young people coming to university and like all I could think about was them and just like that could have been them, you know, and like uh, could have been me, could have been me, but like, you know, um I just like all I had was just like pictures of them and him and then my sister's boyfriend who kind of resembles Colton Bushy, you know, and then Tina Fontaine is from my community. So it like and then hearing that the next week that was it was tough. Yeah, no, that it's been a tough time ever since that, and I, I don't know. I am. Um, I think that that hurt is something the Canadians need to understand how deep it went because it was across the nation, no question. And I really appreciate you sharing that because uh, it just validates. I know what a lot of our experiences out here were. Um, we actually uh, were pretty upset. We put up uh, a, a tent for uh, four days. And then we, it, we took it down and then we got another one up and there was a gentleman and he he put up that one and he put up the uh, teepees that have been in downtown Calgary for the last while. And um, mm-hmm. I'm not too sure the status of it right now. I think he had to go away for a bit and, you know, like it, it's powwow season, it's uh, sundown yeah. season. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that that's where a lot of that ends up having to go right now. And so it's yeah to say it's been hard is an understatement right and uh, yeah it seems like uh the education that a lot of the people who because it's not just him there's a lot of volunteers who've been um manning that tent and manning the tp and and uh because it's right in downtown calgary you have so many executives so many professionals so many lawyers so many um people coming by and uh right. having a conversation with indigenous people one-to-one for the first time and uh so that's really positive but i mean mm. i'm not going to take away the uh lasting effects for sure because it's been yeah. Hard. yeah 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 uh that tp is uh is police not bothering anybody <laughs> long story let me tell you <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah it, it's a long story, but it. Um, so we have, I would argue, the Calgary Police Service is a little more um, progressive. They have a diversity unit, and in that diversity unit, there's an Indigenous liaison. And um, we actually have, we had that position for like over 20 years, and there was this woman from uh, the from Pakani, and she was like trying to hold her own on that. And I can't, she's one of the strongest people I know. Anyway, um, they moved her up within the ranks and they, they refilled it. And the new gentleman, he uh, right away started working with everybody and trying to work with, uh, you know, whether it was bylaw, whether it was the city courts that they have right down there. And um, really helpful at trying to help keep that from getting 
I don't know, taken down or, or misused. So I know out here in Calgary, we've been really lucky to have a lot of cooperation between the Calgary Police Service, which back to what we were talking about politics seems like the opposite of what we should be doing when it comes to exerting our rights. But mm-hmm. <laughs> at the same time, you know, well, a lot of good has I mean, come from it too. So it's, it's a reoccupation, right? Like that's what it is. And that's what like the point of us putting up the DP of Parliament last year. Mm-hmm. Right. So like it's, truly symbolic in the sense that we're going to reoccupy our spaces uh canada be damned sort of thing so um yeah that is a positive thing to, to see and hear about yeah well i'm we you know we're already at 37 minutes and my podcasts usually only go about 20 to 40 minutes so well, um, you know what i i should probably ask you to do some plugs here and tell us where your uh, podcast is, your social media, and then I'll link it up on my podcast as well and, and reshare it because I think, you know, I really think you and I could probably talk for two hours. <laughs> 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 and I hope to, I hope we can talk again in the future. There's nothing better than when you finally get to meet a Facebook friend and mm-hmm. uh, have a real mm-hmm. conversation. And I'm so grateful it could be in this medium. That's amazing. Definitely. Definitely. And you're uh, welcome. Anytime on my podcast, um, again, that is Scolden Chronicles, which you can find on SoundCloud.com. Uh, the Scolden Chronicles with like the little dashes in between that. So, uh, it's T-H-E dash Scolden dash Chronicles. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, at Scolden Podcast and on Facebook at Scolden Chronicles. Right on. Oh, I can't thank you enough for this conversation and for plugging your information. And uh, when I share this, I'll I'll share your information as well. And hopefully we'll get some cross collaboration across the country because I know, you know, Sylvia Vincati and and the whole I Don't Know More really inspired me. Um, I felt really helpless reading all of these articles. And then now I just feel like between native Twitter and uh, these podcasts, we have so much unity that we never had before. So it's so great to to really just chat with you, get to know you. And yeah, hopefully we'll do some more work in the future. I hope so too. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley, for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. All right. Yeah, so I want to thank Ashley again for coming on. Um, I want to encourage everyone to donate on our Patreon account, pledge and support. I want to thank Kenna, Sharon, Diana, Judy, and Nathan for already showing their support. If you value and listen, give what you can afford. But those who cannot afford to give but can listen in, love to hear from you. NativeYYC at gmail.com. Send in your questions, comments, and now we're on iTunes and Google Play. And I also want to thank my hubby, uh, Darcy, always for encouraging me to do this podcast, but for also doing the um, auto audio and, and sound quality. So with that, thank you for listening to Native Calgarian.